In Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 14, Jesus said something to Peter, James, John, and Andrew as they sat on the Mount of Olives in view of the Jerusalem temple. That's frankly rather disturbing. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Many of us will sometimes encounter in the larger religious world videos or writings describing a coming time of great tribulation before the world ultimately ends at Christ's second coming. And oftentimes, passages like what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 13 will be used to describe and to demonstrate and to teach that. And those sorts of teachings can often be very confusing, very anxiety-inducing, and can be a great burden to try to make sense of and cause a great deal of fear, even among Jesus' followers. It's important for us to fully appreciate what Jesus says here by considering the context in which he said it. Because when Jesus spoke of that time of tribulation, when Jesus spoke of that abomination of desolation, we need to remember where and when he was and who he was saying it to before we start applying it to ourselves. And in fact, if we'll exercise the discipline to do that, to really set our hearts to know what did Jesus mean? When he said this, why was Jesus saying this at that moment before we start automatically applying it to ourselves? Instead of being something confusing and scary, it can actually be something powerful and compelling and faith building. Because remember, this whole conversation that Jesus was having on the Mount of Olives with those disciples began when he had told them that the temple there in Jerusalem would be completely leveled. And they had asked, what's going to be the sign that these things are about to happen? So when Jesus speaks here of the abomination of desolation, which just sounds intense, right? 
Well, that's language coming from the earlier Hebrew prophets, specifically from the prophet Daniel. He's drawing them into this larger biblical story. He's giving them a point of reference that they would have had from knowing those scriptures. And not just from knowing the scriptures, but even from their own history. Because that abomination of desolation that Daniel had foreseen had been one that some had already thought had seen one form of fulfillment during the period in between the Old and New Testament when Jerusalem was under a a form of Greek rule and the temple was desecrated and there was great persecution and conflict that the Jewish people suffered under, something that's described in the books of the Apocrypha of 1st and 2nd Maccabees. So whenever Jesus is describing this abomination of desolation, his disciples are cued in that he's describing something that Daniel originally prophesied, that he's describing something that they've seen of as having to do with the desecration of the temple, having to do with great violence and bloodshed being perpetrated against God's people. And it's clear that as Mark preserved these words for us, as the Spirit inspired Mark, to write this down, that that parenthetical, let the reader understand, is meant to clue us in too, that there's something more going on there, that there's a larger story, that there's a bigger picture that he's trying to show. And while we're inclined to understand that as being about our future, while we're inclined to make that about a time of great tribulation before the the coming of Christ, There's some things about what Jesus actually said that doesn't fit that really well. Because if this is about the coming of Jesus, then what's with all the references to Judea? What good will it do to run to the mountains? Why does it matter whether or not you're pregnant or nursing? But if we appreciate where Jesus was and when Jesus was and what Jesus was responding to when he originally said it, then we can actually find that what Jesus is predicting with startling accuracy is something that would happen about 35 or 40 years after he said this. Namely, the war that the Jewish people fought with the Romans between AD 66 and AD 70 that culminated in the total desolation, desecration, and destruction of not only the temple in Jerusalem, but the entire city of Jerusalem. In fact, if you go and read from historical accounts like the the Jewish historian Josephus describing what that war and ultimately what that destruction of Jerusalem was like, you'll not only see how accurate Jesus was in those descriptions, but you'll see how utterly hopeless and truly terrible that decision was. That anybody who didn't leave Jerusalem in time found themselves trapped and famine began to set in and people were in terrible conditions that were even driving parents to cannibalism, just truly gross, disgusting, dark things that happened in those days. As the Romans fought not just to quell a rebellion, but to completely annihilate the Jewish people that were living there. When you have that history to understand, you can recognize Jesus knew exactly what would happen. And Jesus was giving his followers a word of warning so that when that happened, they wouldn't be caught up. Because Jerusalem would be one of the hubs of Jesus' disciples in those early decades of the church. As you go through the book of Acts, there's points where there are thousands of Jesus followers that call Jerusalem home. Yet, when the destruction 
of Jerusalem came, the Christian historian Eusebius reports a tradition that said there were no followers of Jesus in Jerusalem at that time. Specifically, he says that they recognized the signs that Jesus had foretold in passages like this one, so that when they could tell this conflict was brewing, they didn't wait, but they exited the city so that Jesus' followers weren't among those swept up in it and killed. That's a very different takeaway from this passage than when we make it exclusively about our own end times. That's a take on this passage that allows us to see how right Jesus is, that lets us see how sovereign Jesus is, that lets us see how God provides for his people. And while it is possible that tribulation may be in our future, that great struggle might be something that we have to be prepared to endure, rather than being something that induces anxiety and that causes all sorts of questions and challenges our faith, examples like this one should be those that build our faith, that let Let's us see how much Jesus cares for his people. And even when dark, difficult times come about, God has ways of shortening them. God has ways of working through them. God has ways of caring for his people. When we hear what Jesus said on the Mount of Olives that way, we'll receive the preparation we need for all sorts of difficult days that we might find ourselves in too.